What? A fire? <laughs> no. Just trying to open a package of socks. Come on in. It's sleep or don't. Oh, it's good to be back with you. It's Mr. Vanilla Extract. I'm the perfect ingredient for your pre-sleep routine. And it's time to kick it off. I hope you've cut out the caffeine. Lights are dimming. You've got all your chores done. You got the things done you need to get done, and if you don't, get them done. Don't get into bed before they're done. Bed is for sleep. Treat it like a sacred place. Recognize the need for wind down is real. <clears throat> I think this is the number one mistake that pretty much everything fits in broadly. You have got to preserve the last two hours of your wakefulness, if at all possible. If not, do an hour. Preserve it for the wind down. It's all about getting yourself into position. Do you know how many benefits there are from great sleep? Yeah, I know. You read about them when you are up till two, not sleeping, right? I do too. Have you started brushing yet? I don't have to tell you this every night, right? Don't forget to floss. It's a good habit. Do it early. I believe that mint. Oh, that fresh mint flavor is a, it's a terrible stimulant. Got to brush early so it wears off. And now it's time to stuff your saris in a sack. Saturday over here at the vanilla extract house. And Saturdays mean that no matter what I do, I feel like I didn't do it right or I didn't do enough. Should have got more chores done. Should have spent more time with the kids. Should have spent more time by myself. Should have chipped away at a little bit of work. Should have, should have, should have. It's hard to shut that off. So I'm just going to write down should have. We'll fold this up. I'm going to stuff it in a sock because there's one sock that was about to get thrown away, but now it's the place where I stuff my saris in a sock. It's kind of a play on the stuff the saris in a sack. Did you get it? One of those lonely socks in the laundry basket. Anyway, put it somewhere far away. It's a good symbol. You're divorcing yourself from your sadness, your worries, your cares, your anxieties for the rest of the night. Now, it's time to be grateful. Get in that bed. If you've got nothing to be grateful for other than the fact that you've got me and your bed, then that's what you should do. Be grateful for that. If you're grateful for a beautiful sunny February day where you get to go for a little hike, like I did, do that. Be grateful for that. Oh, man, but we're in bed. We're enjoying it now. Pillow is cold. The blanket is warm. The sheets are all smoothed out like you like them. 
Maybe you just shaved your toes or maybe you shaved your whole leg. It feels so silky smooth. It's great. That's great. All right. We're here right now together. We're here right now together enjoying the comfort that being in bed should bring. It's the nightly vacation. Saturday's kind of a vacation too. I already mentioned that today is Saturday. And I had I had a pretty good Saturday. I I took a little drive up the canyon and as I do I picked a spot that I hadn't been before. I drove up to it, I got out, and I hiked around a little bit, climbed up a very steep slope, and this steep slope had sandstone on one side and sandstone on the other side, and it was kind of a funnel, kind of a trough, a natural trough. You could see that on very rainy or snow heavy snow melt times that a lot of water rushes down because you can see things are getting pushed down this this uh <laughs> depression this little little canyon in a canyon in a canyon and climbed up to the top of it behind me there was a lot of traffic noise over the slope on the other slide, there was someone who was at a target practice, tar target practicing. Oof, that was tough to say. Heard a train horn. There was a lot going on, but you got up into that little chute and things got pretty quiet and you couldn't see any civilization. Sandstone. Ponderosa pine, juniper, a little bit of grass, some scrub oak, dirt, the sky, and this great little chute. And as I was thinking, as I was climbing it, I was thinking, you know, it's human nature to want to have a little foxhole to climb into. It's human nature to want to feel like you're in a safe spot when you sleep. I've read a little bit about this. You know, I've read a little bit about sleep. And it's amazing how way up in the hills, I had that, I had that cozy feeling and I've started to think a lot about that cozy feeling more and more. I had that cozy feeling like, oh, I'm tucked in here real nice. I like this. I can see the sky, but also I feel like I'm kind of folded into the mountain. <sighs> that's a good <clears throat> that's a good way to to have your nighttime set up too to feel folded away. You know, you you, uh, the direction you orient your bed, if you have options, 
can make a big difference on how well you sleep. You never want a door, you know, in the wrong spot. <laughs> so let's Google that. You know, there's that concept. Uh, I'm going to spell it F-U-N-G, Shui. F-E-N-G, Shui. And I believe it's pronounced Feng Shui. Feng Shui, I don't know. Chinese geomancy. Ancient Chinese tradition claims to use energy forces to harmonize individuals with their surrounding environment. Well, there's this great guy on YouTube Shorts and TikTok where he's got little, tiny little rooms written up on a piece of paper, and then he's got beds and end tables and doorways, little paper things that he moves around and he says, this is how you should do it. I'm not an expert on that. But I do like, I like to hear the concepts. And every time I see this fella show me, oh, this is the wrong way. You know, somebody sends a picture or a diagram. He says, oh yeah, you're doing it wrong. Uh, sure enough, when he fixes it, I think to myself, yeah, that's the way, that's the way to do it. But, you know, your surroundings are a big part of your, your coziness. Okay, four pillars of destiny. As I've been talking, I've been scrolling down through the, the concepts, and it looks like it's pretty involved. I, they've got early, they've got instruments, They've got definitions and classifications. They've got chi. They've got polarity. But if you scroll to the very bottom, there's something that I had to click on. It's called the Four Pillars of Destiny. I don't know what that is, so we're going to read about it. The Four Pillars of Destiny, as known as Bazi which means eight characters or eight words in Chinese, is a Chinese astrological concept that a person's destiny or fate can be divined by the two sexagenary cycle characters assigned to their birth year. Month, day, and hour. This type of cosmological astrology is also used in South Korea, Japan, and Vietnam. All right, so what are the four pillars? Days, hours, months, and years. Are those the four pillars? Hmm. We might have to move <clears throat> out of Wikipedia, but let's try this. There's a whole complicated table. I don't think we're going to figure this out tonight, you guys. Okay, yeah, okay, so it's the year of, well, oh yeah, yeah, okay, here it is. There's the rat, tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, dog, pig, ox. Might have said rat twice. 
maybe I like rats. And then there's the different elements. Wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And there's a complicated wrap, wrap around thing. So, yeah, I don't know. We might not get very far with this. Remember, um, there's that song, Year of the Cat. Um, Year of the Cat is by Al Stewart. I was thinking it was by, uh, what's his name? Okay, listen to the lyrics of Year of the Cat. I read this one time. This matters. We're here just enjoying cold sheets and lyrics from a Al Stewart song from the 70s. On a morning from a Bogart movie in a country where they turn back time, you go strolling through the crowd like Peter Lore, Peter Lorre? I don't know. Contemplating a crime. She comes out of the sun in a silk dress running like a watercolor in the rain. Don't bother asking for explanations. She'll just tell you that she came in the year of the cat. Those are pretty nice lyrics. <laughs> did you think you were going to get some really good commentary on that? Or did you think I was going to say, hey, that's real neat, guys. That's real neat. Well, that's what you got. Okay, I'm going to read you another one. <clears throat> we're going to skip ahead. While she looks at you so coolly and her eyes shine like the moon in the sea, she comes in incense and patchouli, so you take her to find what's waiting inside the year of the cat. Yeah, that's not the one. That's what you get for just kind of ad-libbing and thinking you're going to find, find what you were looking for. But I got to know what patchouli is. So we're, we're going to come back to the the verse that I thought was cool. Yeah, patchouli. It's a species of flowering plant. Did we find our way back to plants? Everything goes back to plants. It's commonly called the mint or dead net family. I'm an ACA. Yeah, okay. It's earthy and spicy. Slightly sweet aroma. It, in its raw essential oil form, it can be strong and has been likened to the, the smell of wet soil. Ooh, baby, you smell like wet soil. Okay, we're going back to the lyrics. She doesn't give you time for questions as she locks up your arm in hers and you follow till your sense of which direction completely disappears. By the blue-tilled walls near the market stalls, there's a hidden door she leads you to. These days, she says, I feel my life just like a river running through the year of the cat. That's not it either. We're running out of verses. There's only one left. 
I gotta go back to patchouli real fast. Let's just see if we can find it on Amazon. <laughs> I know we can. Of course we can. Patchouli. There's patchouli. Hippie go lucky. Okay, there's some kind of hippie connection, which didn't shock me. Al Stewart, 70s. I'm not saying Al Stewart was the ultimate hippie, but... Patchouli's laundry soap. There's aromatherapy. Yeah, we can find patchouli. All right, well, you can definitely get it. I'm not spending 10 bucks on it. Let's see. Patchouli pop culture. Why do hippies smell like patchouli? I wonder if I'm even saying that right. I think I am. Are you ready? Why do? This is an article on Medicine Net. Patchouli oil used for thousands of years. Experts suggest the regular use of patchouli oil by hippies is because of the raw, earthy, and natural nature of his, this oil. Hippies preferred using products that were not artificially manufactured. Yeah, so it's just it's just one of and many. It doesn't seem like why do hippies love patchouli? Remember, I typed in patchouli pop culture. Hi, patchouli is back. Yeah, and we're back on Wikipedia. So, I don't know much about patchouli, and I'm not, I'm finding that this is a little bit of a dead end unless you want to learn about the oil extraction, extraction uh, process, which I can tell you. But let me tell you something else instead. When this this has this has connection to smells and hippies. When I was in high school, I would go for uh, <laughs> competitions for speech and drama, uh, and. I would memorize something and I would go on these bus trips and it was a reason to get out of class. And we went to, oh, just a giant city, more than 10 times the size of my little town, probably 30 times the size of my town. And it had a, a real Main Street, kind of an old school storefront Main Street feel to it, although big box stores had moved in, and so the Main Street, it still had a hardware store on it. But we, we were, you know, there was a lot of downtime at these competitions. 
and it seems like we would would be there for two days and would have a couple of hours each day of downtime. We stayed in some hotel, and you share a room with your buddy, and then you know a group of you would hit the town, exploring this metropolis that has thirty, forty thousand people in it, gigantic for us small town kids. And I remember we're just kind of going in and out of shops and maybe there was a jewelry store and a hardware store and a couple of insurance <laughs> insurance uh, headquarters, Farm Bureau or Farmers Insurance or whatever. We walked into this yeah, as a hippie store. There were records, and there were beads, and there was incense burning. And I was 16, I think, maybe I was 15, and hadn't really been anywhere or done anything yet. I, I guess I've been some places now, but I still sometimes feel the same way. Just a small town kid, you know, out of place, fish out of water, hippie store, and records and, and incense. And I knew the word incense. From movies, I knew what incense looked like. You know, some weird-looking stick stuck in a hole on some piece of metal. And you light the end. And you see a little tiny stream of smoke coming off of it. I'm not telling you stuff you don't know, but I wasn't sure what the connection between incense and hippies was. And I wasn't really sure why there was... To me, there was a, a combination. A, <laughs> in my young brain, uh, incense and marijuana were definitely the same thing in, in one way or another. I wasn't sure what way, but there was a connection there. And... I, I didn't know, well, honestly, I didn't know. I just thought, oh, there's marijuana and incense. Now, how are they connected? And I'm in this record store, and they're playing music on a real record, and which... This was before the revival of the record. This was in the period where the record was still dying, but there was still Die Hard. You know, records never really went away. There were always the Die Hard vinyl fans. <clears throat> Obviously, there's a resurgence now. But the music was playing loud, and the smell of incense was strong, and... There were lots of psychedelic t-shirts and glass objects and knickknacks 
in that room and I just thought to myself, this is a completely different place. <laughs> I just didn't know what to think of it. You know, when you're a kid and, and usually those experiences come in waves but start start early when you experience new things and slowly they fade the older you get the less often you get one of those experiences where you just go well this is something new it was completely new it was something completely new and i didn't buy any incense i didn't buy anything i would uh, I would spend $7 a month. That was pretty much my budget. Self self-appointed budget. I would save my money and then blow it on ridiculous things. Uh, bad video games. I was famous for instead of just buying like the classics. In those days, you know, it was like uh, streets of rage yeah I don't <laughs> I can't think of another one um, yeah I can't think of it. another one <laughs> but I would instead I would buy like some caveman computer game that was so onerous here's something i would buy i i once bought this game on on the pc that it came with i think 12 or 15 discs the three and a half whatever discs and that that game, when you loaded it up, you, you'd put in the load-up disk, and the load-up disk would say, okay, here is the code. And then you had like this, you had to use this decoder key to type in the right code so that they knew that you hadn't copied the game and ripped it off because that was e really easy to do with computer games in those days you could it was easy to copy a disc you could make a copy of any disc and they weren't very good at stopping you from doing that so you'd put that in you'd enter the code and then it'd say okay take that out put in another disc you put it in another disc and it'd take five minutes to load up you'd play for a minute then it would be like oh the rest of the stuff is on a different disc take this out put in a different disc and there was, there was so much time switching discs and waiting for things to load. It was a, it was a fun game, and it was a, a kind of a puzzle. You were a caveman, and you'd have to use fire to light something on fire that would drop something, you know, out off the ceiling. You're in a cave or whatever. And I went, I went for strange things. So I, I met the, you know, I met the. The hippie store and I see a really cool t-shirt that I want that's I don't know, 12 bucks or something 
Never in a million years could I ever imagine. I think this is part of my middle child syndrome. Never could I ever imagine spending $12 on a t-shirt, buying a t-shirt. I think I, I think I bought one t-shirt in my entire youth that was not in mid-August when I was school shopping with my mother. I could not, I could not think about purchasing shoes or clothes outside of that period. It was not programmed in me. So that's weird. So I didn't buy a t-shirt, even though there was a cool one in there. That was probably some very thinly veiled reference to drugs. And I probably would have gotten home and my parents would have said, well, now where'd you get this? <laughs> we were really straight-laced, if you can't tell. If you go back, if you go back to the foxhole, the little, the little furrow, the little cave, the spot where those cavemen were in the game, or the where I was in my hike today, somewhere cozy. That's where you need. That's where you need to be tonight. Somewhere cozy. <laughs> 